Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. And I, I wanted to start this third part on checking in with discipleship by asking you the question, when you think about the word discipleship or when you hear that word, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Just think about that for a moment. When you hear the word discipleship, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Because if you're kind of like me, you would probably think in a church context, it means there's someone older than you who's spending time making sure you're doing your soap and making sure you're praying, you know, just kind of imparting wisdom. And so sometimes we think about discipleship as just something that we do with someone who might be older than us further along in our spiritual journey. And, but you have to understand it's a little bit more than that. And there's a lot of different components to it. And I, I'm going to say, say it for up front is that that word discipleship is a loaded term. You can go to one church and that word means one thing. Go to another church and it will mean another thing. And a lot of times, even as I'm doing some global things with other pastors, other leaders around the world, every single time we talk about missions, and then it kind of tied in with discipleship. I realized we're like literally speaking a foreign language to each other. And this is when it came to the realization that when we talk about something like discipleship, all of us would think to ourselves, this is, this is simple. Like we all know this. But I realized not really. And I will not just assume that every single one of you in this room understands what discipleship is about. In fact, I want to challenge you. If I were to ask you, give me a definition of it, how would you define it? We at HMCC, doing this for almost 25 years, we, we defined it in terms of our context. And so I want to share a little bit about that today. And as I'm thinking through this, the, the question about discipleship, it is not just in the church context. You got to think about this concept of discipleship as something that happens just around the world. That people who are not even believers do some form of discipleship. Let me, let me give you some examples. Think about a person who's being groomed in a company to be able to fill in this important role. So they travel, or they kind of follow along the manager or follow along the CEO because they're being groomed due to it. That's discipleship. Uh, think about medical students. How many medical students do we have here? Go ahead and just raise your hand real quick. Woo, all right. Just in case I clap so you know what to do, right? Okay, anyway, but uh, medical students, what do they do? They do this thing where you go to the hospital and you follow these doctors who order you around, and here you are taking notes. That's part of discipleship so that you can learn something that maybe you have academic knowledge of but not in terms of practice. And think about some of the trades, some of the different skill sets people need, like car fixing. <laughs> and another one is tailoring. Now, some of you already heard this before, but, you know, like I, I always wanted a tailor suit, but, you know, it costs some money to buy it. So my younger brother, uh, he's doing really well financially, so praise the Lord. Uh, I will always challenge him to give. Don't forget your older brother who loved you. Uh, so he came to Hong Kong, and he got several suits, and he says, you know what? I'm going to bless my brother. 
So he blessed me with two suits, tailor suits. And after that, I'm sold. I'm like, I- I'm a firm believer because your body doesn't fit the generic brand, but they got to uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? And so it fits really well. And so my brother uh, bought me two tailor suits. And as I was thinking about this, more, one of the things I found out was that tailoring or those who are making suits is becoming a lost art. Because many of these people who are actually really good tailors are in their 80s now. And the younger generation here in Hong Kong, because there was a time when Hong Kong was known for tailoring, for textile. And so now these people who are awesome tailors are about 80-some years old. They're going to pass away. They're going to retire, pass away soon. But the younger generation in the 20s and 30s, that's the last thing that they want to do. Something with, uh, I don't know, is, is it Bitcoin? Uh, they want to get into AI, all this technology stuff. So they don't want to like start cutting and sewing and doing all that stuff. But it really is an art. It's a trade. So I was thinking, okay, how, how do I want to start off this message about discipleship? That's, I'm not going to start off like a very Christian way. I, I want you to understand the concept, and then we'll bring it down into a Christian church context so that you can understand what we're trying to say. So I decided I was scouring the internet, and I found out that there is a tailor shop here in Hong Kong that's famous. That's not where my brother bought the suit, by the way. But I heard it's just famous because all the celebrities, we're talking about dignitaries, presidents, and prime ministers of all these different countries, they actually went there. And so they have a whole line of pictures of some of these famous, famous people like princes and princesses. And you're sitting there like, wow, it's amazing. And when I was watching this video, it just really gave me greater insights of this whole discipleship principle that I want to talk about. But first, let's see this in the context of tailoring. So let's watch it together. Can you imagine 60 years of doing tailoring? Now, if you want to buy a suit, you want to buy it from that guy because he probably knows what he's doing. He could probably do it with his eyes closed. 60 years. A specific trade and repeating the same thing over and over. I hope you also caught that it was something that was passed down from their grandfather, his grandfather, to his father and uncle, then to him, and he'll possibly pass it down to his son. We don't know yet. So we're talking about three generations, possibly four generations of a family that has been in this business of tailoring. And as I was thinking about that, this is exactly what discipleship is all about. Why? Because it started with Jesus. Then he got 12. Well, let's just say 11. He he got 11. And then they got 70 some. And then they got the early church. And then the early church got Paul. And then so on and so on. And here we are. We're up to speed now that after 2,000 some years that all of us are somewhat of a byproduct of somebody who has invested in somebody like you and like me, and then someone else invested in them, and you keep on trailing, going all the way back, and you realize it is a long train that connects all of us together. So just think about life. Think about your life right now and growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not only because of God's grace, but it's because people have invested in your spiritual life. 
I think for many of us, we forget that Jesus has called us to be his disciple and not just a churchgoer. If I could be very direct with you, I'm pretty much I'm going to offend you today, every single one of you. So I'm going to tell you that up front. But I'm going to be direct and honest with you and simply say this. We have a lot of churchgoers, but not enough disciples. Whether it's cultural or whether it makes us feel better that we couldn't go to church and do our service to God, we have a lot of churchgoers in our church and around the world, even in Hong Kong, but we don't have too many disciples, Christ followers. And I'll explain a little bit what I mean by that as I talk about some of these passages. The original language, when you think about the word disciple, it is translated as a learner or a student or a pupil with a teacher. So if you think about that word, it means just a learner, someone who's learning, somebody who is a, a student. The Tyndale Bible Dictionary defines that word disciple in this way, and I thought it was pretty in- insightful. It says this, someone who follows another person or another way of life and who submits himself or herself to the discipline or the teaching of that leader or that way. In the Bible, the term disciple is found almost exclusively in the Gospels and the book of Acts. This is important. That this isn't a term that you see just even in the Old Testament, but even though they do discipleship, but that term, it is almost exclusively found in the Gospels and in the book of Acts. Yet clearly, whenever there is a teacher and those taught, the idea of discipleship is present. So once again, very succinctly, if there's a teacher and there's a student and something being taught, then we see surely discipleship is being present. And so for all of us to be on the same page, I want to give us the HMCC definition. Like I said, it has been a 20-year, 25-year process of coming up with this definition. And it's something that we came up with, I don't know how many years back, but we were working through this because we were saying, you know what, we have all these terms we have people coming in that didn't grow up in our church. They came from different churches, different places. Some of them just recently became a Christian. And so there are terms that we were using that they had no idea or they had a misidea or misunderstanding of some of those words. So we said, let's define everything that we're talking about. So our definition is simply this of discipleship, to invite people to join us in the lifestyle of the kingdom by imitating Christ teaching people to obey him, and imparting biblical values. So once again, let me read it again. It's, it's about inviting people. You don't force it on people. You're inviting them if just in the same way or someone who's a learner. Like if they don't want to learn from you, they're not going to get disciple. So it's an invitation that we give to people to join us because we're also in this journey of discipleship. We're also in this journey of learning how to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So we're inviting them to join us in this lifestyle because it is who you are. A lot of times we have big talkers in our church and in the churches. It's your lifestyle. It's who you are. That's why sometimes I I, I do, I, I am curious. Like what kind of worker you are? What kind of colleague you are? What kind of student you are? Do you step into that room and everyone commands respect? 
Are you the person who gets there at work a little bit early and works hard and everyone knows that and everyone respects you for that? Or are you the person always late? That person who never finishes, they overpromise a lot of stuff and they cannot deliver. That's why lifestyle is who you are, how you live. So once again, it's an invitation to join us in this lifestyle of the kingdom because it's about the kingdom of God. It's not about being a Christian. It's not about going to church. It's about the kingdom of God. By imitating Jesus, that means we're going to become more like Jesus Christ. We have to be. If you're going to get discipled and you are being discipled, it means you have to be more like Jesus Christ. And the key part of being more like Christ is you're obeying his teachings. Simple as that. So once again, Jesus talked about loving one another. If some of you cannot love people around you, you have a hard time with your roommate, you have a hard time with your colleagues, of course, loving people is not an easy thing. We talked about that. But when you grow in more in the likeness of Christ, you're getting discipled in this. There's accountability. And so you are growing in obedience to obeying God in this area of love. Patience. All these things that we see in Scripture. And then imparting biblical values. As some of you guys know, we always talk about don't fish for people and give fish for them to eat. Because then when you're not there, they're going to die of starvation. You guys, you guys heard that before. So learn how to teach people how to fish. So depending on which lake, which pond, it doesn't matter where they go around the world, they will know how to fish and be able to eat fish and survive. So today I want to check in and make sure that all of us are growing as a disciple or at least a learner of, of Christ. We also want discipleship to strengthen, to be strengthened in our church culture. Pastor Bull just mentioned it. If there's anything that we want our church to be known for, it's discipleship. You can leave our church. You can go to any churches in Hong Kong or go some back home wherever you are. But I do hope you realize, wow, yeah, this church really did emphasize a lot on discipleship. They were up in my face. They were trying to keep me accountable. They were trying to make me get into the word. They wanted me to pray. They were challenging me. They were sharpening me. Like, that's the kind of stuff I get excited about. So I'm like, not me. Can we just, like, kumbaya and just love one another and be? Yes, that's all part of it. But I want to be known a church that emphasizes discipleship because we want to be followers and learners of Jesus Christ. As I said before, today some of you are going to get majorly offended. And that is not my heart just to offend for the sake of offending. I'm going to present it through the Word of God, and you're going to bring your life in light of the Word of God. And if there's some shortcomings, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to like it. I don't like it. That's why we need a humble heart this morning if we're serious about our relationship with Christ. Some of you might have come for the first time. We welcome you. Some of you are still seekers. You're not a believer yet. And I hope that somehow God can speak to you, but I'm particularly speaking to all of you who claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And until the Holy Spirit convicts our hearts and we understand what it is that God is trying to do in our lives, then we're just going to play church. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. I want to do church. 
but I don't want to play church. Some of you, that's what you've been doing for all your life, growing up in the church. No one kept you accountable. No one discipled you. So you come and you continue in that kind of lifestyle. That's why some of you are still struggling, even in our context. And we're going to love on you. We're going to be patient with you. But there's a time where you got to grow up. Stop acting like a kid, like a childish kid. Grow up because there are souls around us that are dying without Jesus Christ. I could just end it there. Amen. And let's pray and go home. Have some lunch, early lunch. That was just my introduction. <sighs> I was praying a lot for this, uh, this sermon because I was reminded once again why I do what I do, how God touched my heart and changed a person like me because there were people in my life that discipled me, mentored me, yelled at me sometimes, and sometimes didn't say anything, just sat next to me. And all the times they just looked at me, and you know those looks. And I'm like, I, I got you, I got it, I got it. So let me give you the one thing. The one thing is simply this. Making disciples is God's mandate. It's his command. Therefore, we have to obey and participate. So making disciples, and even being a disciple, is God's command or God's mandate. So we must obey and participate. We did this the last week, and we're going to do it again, but I'm going to just give you five minutes because there's a lot to talk about today. So every minute counts. I'm going to give you five minutes, and I know we're kind of spread out a little bit, but if you can just kind of reach over to somebody next to you, like try to keep a group of two if possible because we don't have much time. I'm going to give you five minutes. And here are two questions I want you to just share with one another in light of what you saw in the video, maybe your own personal life. And the first question is this. Has there been a discipleship relationship that you have been a part of and you've experienced spiritual growth? What specifically helped you in that relationship? So you can share a little bit. The second thing is this. Why do you think there are so many Christians who are not getting discipled and discipling others? I would love to hear some of those things as you kind of reflect on either your life or maybe some of your background. And so go ahead and share that. So we're going to give you five minutes. Turn to somebody next to you. You might not even know them, so just go hi. All right? And you can say hi back. And then go ahead and talk about those two questions. Go ahead. Right? Well, once again, making disciples is God's mandate. That's why we have to obey and participate in making disciples. Now, one of the things I started doing was I started thinking, like, we have such a diverse group of people in our, in our church. There's clusters of people who are similar, but we have people from different nations, people who are local, those who are from uh, different countries, those who studied abroad or worked abroad or whatever the case, and they're back. And so we have a good, eclectic group of people. But as I was thinking about our church, I realized there are really four categories of people when it comes to spiritual lives. And so as we're talking about making disciples is really a mandate from God. So we have to obey and participate in it. I want to first label you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I shouldn't be labeling anybody. But I'm going to put these four categories before you. And I want to challenge you to ask yourself, which category am I in? So here's the first category. I'm just going to walk over and then I'm going to talk through it. The first one right now 
is, I'm going to use the acronym, the GRID. All right? And so, as you can tell, the G-R-I-D is the acronym for the four categories that I see in terms of people in our church. So the first one is God-seeking pre-Christians. I mean, praise God for all of you who are not a believer yet, but you're seeking and you've been coming out to our church, coming out to our life group, and you've been experiencing community. That's how a good handful of people in our church have actually come to know Jesus Christ. It's not all the theological reasonings, but it's just love that they cannot explain, and they realize it's motivated by Jesus Christ. So they got to know a little bit more about who Jesus Christ is. So we have a good handful of people who are God-seeking pre-Christians. And those of you who don't understand why we call them pre-Christians, ask somebody that brought you to church, and hopefully they'll be able to tell you. If they cannot, they've not been discipled well. Anyway, so the, the, the second thing, the R, is recognize disciples. So these are people who actually profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and they're followers of Christ, or they're believers. And so they're recognized as, okay, you are now a Christian. We know that you're a Christian. But this does not necessarily mean that they're growing. Because there's a lot of people in the church who sit there, and they know that they're saved, that if they were to die tonight, that they will go to heaven, but that's it. So I would categorize the group here as just those who are saved, but maybe they're not having a thriving and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. The third group is the invested disciple. So this is the person that is invested in the things of God, in the kingdom of God. They invest their time, treasure, and talents. They're invested in the things and the mission of God. So they're usually the ones who are growing. They believe in what it is that God has called them to do. So we see a lot of people in our church who are invested disciples, and they're committed to investing their time in reading the Bible. They're invested in spending time in prayer. They're invested in serving. Praise God for the medical students and the medical people in our church who are helping out uh, with Christian action. Like They're taking the time to say, how do I bless people beyond what we see here? And then lastly, we have people who are discipling, disciple-makers, Disciples. So DDDD all the way through. So they are disciples who are actually discipling other disciple makers. Now, as I'm sharing all this, some of you are probably thinking, okay, so what's the significance of this? Once again, I want you to ask yourself, where do I fit it? And usually we have an overestimation of ourselves, right? I'm a DDDD dude. But you got to ask yourself, Am I discipling someone who then is able to then disciple somebody else? I would like to venture to guess and say majority of the people in our church fall into the recognized disciple and the invested disciple. With this GRID acronym, I'm going to look at different Bible passages and try to answer four questions. Here are the four questions I'm going to try to So this is not the two points. You're like, oh, where, where's the two points? I, I, that's what I'm saying. I... I labored over this because I felt like this is something that I needed to share with you from the heart because this is part of our DNA. And that's why I don't want to make it into just a normal sermon. I want you to process this, understand this. So the grid, once you identify, oh, this is kind of where I am, I think. I'm going to then ask you, as I said, four questions that you need to ask yourself to be able to say, okay, if I'm here, how do I get to this next one? So here are the first question, uh, four questions. The first one is this. 
are you marked as a disciple? Like, my, what I mean by marked is like, are you sure that you understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? We have a lot of people who've been brought up in church, but they're practicing atheists. Bottom line, you're not saved, but you think you are because you've been to church. Your parents brought you to church. Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian like as some of you heard before, going to McDonald's make you a hamburger. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. So once again, you got to ask yourself, am I marked as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Can Christ say you are now a child of God? You are a son. You are a daughter. Do you know what that means? The second question you need to ask yourself is this. Are you maturing as a disciple? And we'll talk a little bit about that because I think this is a very important question. And then the third question I'm going to ask us is this. Are you making disciples? Because if you're not making disciples, then we're not doing his mandate. And I'll share a little bit about what the Word of God says. And the fourth last question is this. Are you multiplying disciples? You're not just making, but you're multiplying. So these are the four questions I'm going to ask us According to the grid, whether you are a God-seeking pre-Christian or recognized disciple or if you are an invested disciple or if you are a disciple who is discipling disciple makers. Are you with me? Okay, we got the framework. So here we go. Let's answer the first question. The first question is this. Are you marked as a disciple? Once again, it is important to note that just because you grew up in the church does not make you or even attending life group does not mean that you are saved and marked as a disciple. When you look at the Gospels, time and time again, you will see that Jesus is constantly asking people to surrender their life. The problem with many of us is that we live our lives and then we just add Jesus to our lives and still head in the direction that we want to go to. You look at anybody who encountered Christ, and if they have genuinely followed Christ, they, their lives were flipped upside down. Show me a passage where a person was not a follower of Jesus Christ, was not a disciple, and their life was not turned around. Even in John chapter 6, you will notice that there were a lot of people who were following Jesus, but why were they following Jesus? Because he just ended up feeding 5,000. And then he started teaching about, I am the bread of life, and anyone who does not eat of me, you will die. And they're like, huh? No, die? And then they said, you know what, this is too hard of a teaching. They all left. And then Jesus turned to the 12 disciples and he says, you're not going to leave too, are you? John chapter 6, verse 66 and on. And they're like, Peter says, to whom shall we turn to? You have the, the, the word of life. You're it. We left everything to follow you. Every person who came across Jesus Christ, their life was flipped upside down. It's not, I'm going to live my life, I'm going to be successful and do whatever I want to do. Oh yeah, Jesus, that sounds like a nice thing. I'm going to put it in my little pocket here and still do my thing. No, pretty much you're in his pocket and then he turns you around and says, you're going to go over here. If you don't see that, tell me which version of the Bible you're reading and I'll love to read that one. But every version that I read, every single time I read the Gospels, it is so convicting that anyone who will come and follow him, 
They have to be willing to lay down their life. They have to follow the values of the kingdom of God. Let me give you some verses. He's constantly challenging people again and again. Mark chapter 8, verse 34 to 35. Listen to what it says. Read the yellow section with me. It says this. And calling the crowd to him with his what? Disciples, learners, followers. He said to them, if anyone would come after me, let them deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Losing your life, losing your self-centered life, what you want to do. Now, isn't it, is it against what God? No. There are times when the things that God has placed in your heart to do, it's in line with the will of God. But there are a lot of things that we want to do that's not in the plan of God. Let me read this to you in the Amplified Version to wake us up, because it woke me up. You read that yellow section with me. Jesus called the crowd together with his disciples and said, If anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests. Hello. How many of us are selfish in our interests and what we want? Talk to your roommate, they'll tell you. Talk to your spouse, they'll tell you, selfish. <laughs> Talk to your family members, your colleague. And take up his cross, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living. And if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. That's why sometimes I feel like persecution is not a bad thing. Because you could really find out who are the disciples. Man, I've been interacting with some of these people in China. And some of you know that as I'm in these Zoom conferences, and then as soon as Signal, now we can't use Signal because it's banned, they find another one. So they go, download this app. I'm like, oh, God. So like, it's like cat and mouse game. So I'm downloading this other app that's end-to-end encryption, and, you know, we're communicating. And so we have these Zoom calls, and as I'm talking with them, they don't even blink. They're just like, yeah, uh, so-and-so got arrested uh, last week, but we're still loving Jesus. And I'm like, well, is this okay for me to be on this thing, you know? This might not be good for me, my family, and our church. And, like, I, I could genuinely start feeling a little bit of hesitation. I'm like, um, this is something, wait a minute. And that, yeah, and then so-and-so that we talked to, they were in jail for 31 days. And they just start talking about other things. I'm like, 31? Well, I, I try not to show it on the Zoom. But in my mind, I'm like, 31 days? I have another friend who's working with some of the Christians in Iran. There's a revival going on in Iran. It's an underground movement. People are coming to know Jesus Christ like crazy. But many of them are being persecuted and killed. It's going on. It's happening even in where? In Africa, Nigeria. It's happening in Pakistan and some of these other areas around the world. And people are dying for their faith and even willing to suffer. And I was thinking, how many people in our church, (laughs) if we were taken and then we had to deny Jesus, and they don't even have to take out a gun. They could just be like, and you're like, okay, I deny Jesus. Just let me live. It's convicting. 
willing to suffer, perhaps dying because of faith in me. This is what marks a disciple than any other religion. For whoever wishes to save his life in this world will eventually lose it through death. Isn't that true? You think, I'm going to save my life, but we're all going to die. But whoever loses his life in this world for my sake and the gospel will save it from the consequences of sin and separation from God. That's one of the most important decisions you could ever make. Does this describe your life? Are you marked by a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'm wondering how many of us here have really surrendered ourselves our dreams, our self-centered interests, and say, God, it's all yours. When I think about the cross, the beauty of all that you have done, your goodness that you have lavished upon me, your forgiveness, your mercy, which I did not deserve, then how can I not give everything that I have? Why would I withhold any love that is in my heart because you have lavished the greatest love? I think for many of us, we're just content with this stage of our lives. Oh, I'm marked as a Christian. I'm, I'm a believer. I go to heaven, and we're okay with that. You know, I was thinking about this, and I was praying for some of us in our church because, you know, some of you, I've had different meetings, and you guys are struggling with different things, and I'm keeping you in prayer. And I realized that one of the main reasons why we are here, what I mean by here is just we're 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 reached disciples or just recognized disciples, we're okay with that. It's because I think too many of us in this room, we love comfort. And we don't want to give up things in this world. I'm just being directly and, and honestly, as, as I'm going to share this as honestly as possible. The reason why you are where you are right now and okay with just going to heaven and living for yourself is because you love comfort more than Jesus. And you love this world more than the things of God and the kingdom of God. This reminds me of when Jesus was sharing with those who were following him. It's not going to be easy. And he says, there needs to be a sense of urgency. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 through 22. Listen to what it says. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Now, Jesus is not saying, Don't care about your dad. Don't care about your mom. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is there's a sense of urgency right now. The kingdom of God is here. There are people who are passing away that do not know Jesus Christ. Think about the situation in India. It's breaking my heart. I have friends who are there ministering in India, and we're just trying to now connect them with China because there's Christians in China that can get hold of some of these, resp uh, uh, what do you call it, the ventilators. And so to help them, and it's just, it's just powerful to see the body of Christ globally coming together. And as I'm thinking about this, how many of these people who are from India who are passing away that do not know Jesus Christ? There's an urgency. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ, it should move you that on a daily basis people are dying without the gospel. I love what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, those of you who don't know him, 
He was one of a, a pastor, a theologian during Hitler's time in the 1930s and 40s. And he was part of the plot to kill Hitler during that time, but he got caught. And then they ended up uh, killing him. And he became a mar martyr. He wrote this seminal book. It's called The Cost of Discipleship. If there's a book that you want to read, this is one of these books. And in this book, listen to what he says. He says, and if we answer the call to discipleship, where will it lead us? What decisions and partings will it demand? To answer this question, we shall have to go to him. For only he knows the answer. Only Jesus Christ, who bids us to follow him, knows the journey's end. But we do not know that it will be a road of boundless mercy. Discipleship means joy. A lot of us, when we think about discipleship, we think about, oh, it's just a lot of things and do's and don'ts. That means you don't really know God's heart. Because it's about joy. It's about learning how to experience the fullness of life. This is what God has created you for. Are we marked as a disciple? The second question is this. Are you maturing as a disciple? As I was thinking about some of you who have been part of our church for some years now, our church is uh, going to celebrate the sixth year. And we're going to head into our seventh year in September. Some of you have been with us for six years, for the good and the bad. Some of you have been with us three years, four years. And as I was thinking about some of us, and this is not all of you, as I'm thinking about some of you, you have been with us for all these years, but you have not grown. You're not maturing. And some of us could sit there and be like, well, how do you know that? Why are you judging me? I was thinking, wouldn't it be awesome if we had a maturity measurement? Kind of like bananas. Oh, it's not ripe. Oh, it's getting ripe because the color changes. Like, if we had something like that, like, our, our hair starts, well, whatever hair that you have, but your hair starts changing colors. Oh, they're maturing. Wouldn't that be awesome? That we don't have to judge. We just know because the hair, the glow. But we don't have that. So I was thinking, like, then how do you know that a person is maturing or they're not, and they've been in our church for four years? They've been through our undergrad ministry, all the life groups, all the programs that we have. How many dating seminars? You're still in a bad relationship. I don't, well, how, many, well, how are we going to know? So I said, Lord, let's get back to your word. The Bible does talk about how we know if we're maturing and growing. Do you know how? First John Chapter 2, verse 4 and 6. I'm going to read it from the message translation. Listen to what it says. And read that yellow section with me. If someone claims I know him well, but does not keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life Jesus lived. Ah, there we go. We got it now. You want to know how if someone is maturing? It's right here. That you're obeying what he says in the word. You haven't even read the word. So no wonder you're not maturing. 
Because how are you going to know what word to obey if you don't even read the Bible? And as many of you know, and I know so very well, to obey God and all this command, it is almost impossible. It's hard. And to live the way Jesus lived, are you kidding me? It is one of the hardest things. You backstab me, mafia style, we're coming at you. Just kidding. I've grown in love. No more gangster stuff. It's hard when people say things or do things to you. You want to get revenge. You want to put them down. You don't want to love them. But Jesus did all that. And he went through worse. Listen to what it says in the pastor's translation. If someone claims I've come to know God by experience, because some of us, we love experiences. <laughs> Father's heart, hug. Oh, wow. Powerful. So we've come to know God by experience. Now, please don't misunderstand. I'm not belittling that or anything. It was powerful. We met up with the snow girls recently, and so it was powerful. We were still sharing with them how people are still blessed. Experiences are good, but some of you depend always only on experiences, and it's, I'm going to tell you right now, you're not going to mature. You're not going to grow. Yet does not keep God's commandment. He is what? Come on, say it. A phony, and the truth finds no place in it. <laughs> you're a joke. You're phony. You're a hypocrite. Man, I'm reading these words like, oh, God, that's me. I'm a phony. But the love of God will be perfected within one who obeys what? God's word. We can be sure that we've truly come to live in intimacy with God, not just by saying, I am intimate with God, but by what? Come on. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus. One more translation, the voice. This is the voice. Okay. If someone claims I am in an intimate relationship with him, being God, but this big talker doesn't live out his commands, then this individual is a liar and a stranger to the truth. But if someone responds to and obeys his word, then God's love has truly taken root and filled. Oh, what a, what a powerful image that when you actually start obeying God, that the word starts filling you and takes root and fills you up. This is how we know that we are in intimate relationship with him. Anyone who says, I live in intimacy with him, should what? Walk the path Jesus walked. I'm just wondering, if, if you're not becoming more like Jesus by living out his commands, then we're not maturing as a disciple. I don't care how many soaps you do. I don't care how many times you go to all these gatherings in our church. It means nothing according to what we see here. You could say, I'm intimate with God, I'm close to God, I'm maturing. But if your life does not reflect the path and the walking of Jesus Christ, of love, patience, goodness, all these things that we see that are part of the fruit of the Spirit, then we cannot, we're being a phony, we're being a liar. We're not growing, we're not maturing. Let's, let's admit that. And I was thinking about this. I go, oh, God, this is so hard. How am I going to share this? How do I help people to understand? Because I see it in my own life. 
And I realized the bottom line, if I could sum it up, it's just that we don't want to take this responsibility to do something. Because we don't want to be inconvenienced and change our lifestyle. We like our lifestyle. We love our comfort. So let me, let me put it this way. There are three groups of people who fit into this not maturing group, okay? Some of you are like, how many groups are there now? There's a lot of groups. Let's, let me use, it's a subset. UST guys like, mm, I understand that, okay? So it's a subset. In this maturing disciple, if you are not maturing, you're not growing, as we saw in Scripture, that means, as I was thinking about who are these types of people, I've been in those situations, and I was thinking about my own life, and I just realized, first of all, there are those who don't like to be challenged. These are people who are always triggered when leaders or even members are asking them questions. So why? <laughs> you know what they end up saying? Some of you are like, how did he know all this? I'm reading situations. So let me give you some couple options. If you don't like to be challenged, listen carefully, and you're insecure, then someone says, why do you do that? What's your motive behind it? You know what you're going to say? You're going to be like, oh, this is the HMCC way. This is the HMCC mode. Ha! <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm talking to everybody. <laughs> I'm not missing anyone out. That's why I'm walking around. Sorry, camera people. <laughs> okay, don't raise your hand. I'm just wondering how many of you guys heard that before or you've said that before. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's the HMCC way where they always ask why. Why did you do that? Why, why, why? Why so many questions? And as soon as I hear that, I go, there, there's a lot of stuff I want to say, but I can't say in public. So I have to repent afterwards. I go, do you know Jesus? Do you know how many times when he interacts with people, he's asking questions? Do you know why? He's the son of God. He knows everything. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. <laughs> then why is he asking questions when you read the Gospels? It's because he wants you, the hearer, to examine your heart. <laughs> Amazing. I love Jesus' method. He's God. He already knows. So, do you want to be healed? Uh, uh, like, yeah, Jesus. I mean, of course. But he's asking the question because it's more for him, not Jesus, but that person at the pool. Because he was so dependent on other people. And he says, do you have faith? So what's happening is that questions are not a bad thing. If you think it's the HMCC way, you go repent and read the Bible because it's the Jesus way. That's what I'll say to you. I was thinking about it. I'm like, okay, let's not get too excited. Let's think about something average, okay? So you go to the doctor because you're feeling something really bad. So you go into the doctor. In fact, I wanted to invite one of our doctors, but he wasn't able to make it. But anyway, I was going to actually demonstrate it for you. So 
Can you imagine you go to the doctor or the clinic and you're like, doctor, I'm not feeling well. The doctor's like, so like, what did you eat? Uh, well, I don't know what I ate. Um, just, yeah, I should have just ate the dim sum. But anyway, I ate some other some Mexican food and my stomach is like not feeling well. It's like, oh, what time did you eat it? Like, I don't know when I ate it. Like, did you have this symptom before? I, I don't know. Would you stop? That's the doctor way. Stop it. <laughs> Do you see how stupid that sounds? The reason why any of you who are doctors here or medical field, you understand why you ask questions. You're asking questions so you can understand because you don't want to give them the wrong medicine because they will kill them. You're asking questions to help understand their motive and the reason, the situation, the people that were involved, all these things that were going on. I've done so many 10,000 plus, 20,000, I don't know how many hours of counseling in my lifetime. And I can sit there and as soon as person comes in and they start sharing, I already have a profile on you. I might not know exactly, but I have a profile. I'm in the ballpark because I've seen so many of these cases over and over again. But I'm asking questions. You know why? Not because I don't know certain things. I do. But I'm wondering if you know. Because if you don't know, and you don't know it's really a self-centered thing that deals with your heart, then you're going to blame other people. You're not going to take responsibility. That's when I realized, wow, people who don't like to be challenged, they're going to divert it and say, it's the HMCC way. It's like, oh, they're always asking us questions. They're doing all these things. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> if you follow that kind of principle in your life, that you should never go to your doctor. Because they're going to ask you a lot of questions. Because they want you to get better. Man, I hope you have people in your life who will ask you a lot of questions. Because they love you. They want you to be maturing and growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Another group. I already talked about it. Those who don't take responsibility. Man, my wife and I, we've been doing this for almost 25 years. And we've seen a lot of people come and go. From Michigan to Indonesia to here, a lot of people come and go. They graduate, they go. They work a little bit and they go. Some of them, they leave in the middle and they go to another church. We've seen it all. And it's really interesting because just part of our church is very transient. And when people leave our church, that's when they really begin to realize who they are. <laughs> you guys heard me say this before. You know who you are when you go home. Are you with me? Amen. Amen. Oh, I love Jesus. And you go for the winter holidays. You're like, you know how it is. So what happened was this. The structures in our church is already established. So they just follow the structure. They do what they're told. They do whatever. And they don't think. And so you get mistaken that you're growing spiritually when you're really not because you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you leave HMCC, you go to another church, you go to another city, you go back home, and then you realize, I'm not doing that well. So what do you think these people do? <sighs> Pastor, I just want to confess that I wasn't really growing. I took all these positions, serving and doing this stuff, but I really didn't have a relationship with Jesus. Can you just pray for me? I never got those kind of emails. You know the things that they say? 
oh gosh, it was just HMCC. It was just them. Like, they, I'm bitter. Or I'm, I'm going through like shock. I'm going through all this stuff. And I'm thinking, did we ever force you? Did we ever say, you're not going to leave here. Close the door. Lock the door. Lock the windows. <laughs> you made a decision. Every decision you made. You decided to say yes. Why did you say yes? Oh, because I was insecure. You, no, they will never say that. Oh, because I was feeling really, like, I'm comparing to my friends. They all got involved, so I'm just going to get involved. That's the wrong reason to get involved. So there are a lot of things you haven't checked in your heart why you do what you do. So then when you leave, you realize you're not doing well. So it's easy not to take responsibility and then blame somebody. And when you start blaming somebody, it's easier because you're the victim now. To me, that's a sin. Because not only are you defaming God's church, which is his body, but you're not taking ownership and you're not going to change. <laughs> the third group, those who don't want accountability. There are people who say, so, you know what, I don't want, I'm going to step down for ministry team, I'm going to step down for leadership, I'm gonna, and please don't misunderstand, there are some people in our church who have to step down for legitimate reasons, they're in different seasons, but there are other people who step down because they just, in their mind, they're just thinking to themselves, you know what, um, I don't want accountability, I want to live my life, I want to do what I want to do, I want to be in comfort, I want to be selfish, and I don't want anyone telling me what to do, because if you're in leadership or you're serving, they're like, hey, are you going to be coming? Oh, I wish I could just lay here in bed and not do anything. You just don't want accountability. So what happens? I always tell people, you could always tell by the fruits. And it's very clear from your life, you don't want any accountability. Listen to what Oswald Chambers said in his book, Up My Utmost for My Highest. Another book you want to read just during the summer, a summer read. It'll transform your life. He writes this. Worship is giving God the best that he has given you. Be careful what you do with the best you have. Whenever you get a blessing from God, give it back to him as a love gift. Take time to meditate before God and offer the blessing back to him in a deliberate act of worship. If you hoard a thing of blessing for yourself, it will turn into spiritually, uh, spiritual dry rot. God will never let you hold a spiritual thing for yourself. It has to be given back to him that he may make it a blessing to others. If you really want to see if you're maturing and growing, is that all the things that God has given to you, what are you doing with it? Your time, your energy, your talents, what are you doing with it? And I, I realized something. And it, 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 let me get these two brothers. You guys, come on up. Darren and Rowan. Weren't you guys roommates? <laughs> at one time, at one time. Yeah, at one time. Okay. See, I was going to pull out a medical doctor. Now I'm going to use these two former poly U students. Or now I'm banned. Were you singing today? Oh, that wasn't you? Oh, okay. Okay, so let's go to the other poly U person here. Come over here. Come over here. Come on. Can you face over there? Like we're in a race, okay? Okay. 
Let me try to do this quickly because time is running out. Okay, here we go. I'm talking about maturity now and maturing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And this is another symptom that I see in our church. And so let's just say, why don't you guys do it? Rock, scissors, paper. Who's going to win? I don't want to. Okay, so let's say your one is the one who's, you know, both of them started off at the same level. So why don't you take a step forward? Okay. But then Darren, he just got sidetracked and he's like, man, I want to, I'm just going to go on YouTube and, you know, just look at different guitars and do all this stuff, you know. So he just got a little bit sidetracked. But Joran, whatever, God slapped him over the head and Joran's like, I love Jesus. So here's Joran, here's take two, two, three steps. Wow. You have a really good posture. <laughs> just like this. Either that or you're nervous. It's one of those two. So here you are, right? But I'm going to flip the tables around, even though you won the rock, scissors, paper. So for the first couple of years, you grew a lot. So you're looking over there to Darren, and what are you doing? Judging him, all the stuff. <laughs> but Darren had a revival. Like something happened that transformed him deep within so Darren is moving. Take five, six. <laughs> Darren is so shy. He's like, <laughs> I would have been like, hello. <laughs> you know, I'm passing up this dude. So here he is. You know what's going to happen now? Come on. You, you, many of you have been there. I've been there. It would be really easy for your win to what? You're like, hey. Because he sees all these people who are younger than him passing him up. Then what do you think someone like Yoram would say? <laughs> oh, we have so many young people in our church now. And, you know, I don't fit in anymore. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, do you know who I am? Do you know how many hair I have in my head? <laughs> do you know how old I am? And I'm still hanging out with people like you. <laughs> See, what happens is that you, some of you loved it back here. Because when you first came to our church, we gave you all this attention. And we were trying to minister to you. And you loved it because it fed your self-centeredness. But as you're growing, because God has blessed you, as I read that quote, you're not going to let it rot. As God has been blessing you, instead of turning it into worship to God, you just decided, hey... I'm just going to be here. I'm comfortable. And all these younger guys who are excited for God and wanting to do the things of the kingdom, they're passing some of you up. They're growing. They're maturing. And instead of taking responsibility and say, crap, or can I say this? So anyway, uh, sorry. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I grew on the streets. Anyway, so like... Um, so, so instead of your own saying, you know what? Like, yeah, I was blessed, but then I just got a little bit stagnant and I hasn't been challenged and I don't want to take responsibility. And I see all these guys and I want to grow too. Can you say that? You know? I, I got stagnant and I want to grow too. <laughs> so powerful, so powerful, so powerful, you know? 
But what do we normally do? Uh, this church is not for me. Uh, you know what? There's too many young people, and I'm just an old folk now. And I'm thinking, what if you're so old now? Not as old as me, but what if you're so old now that you now need to reinvest in the younger generation? It's because you're not growing. You're not maturing. So you have nothing to give to this younger generation because they're passing you up. So wake up. I don't care if you're a senior, if you're graduating, and you went through four years of our undergrad ministry. If you're not growing, these guys are going to pass you up. I don't care if you've been in our focus ministry for four to five years. If you're stagnant and you're not growing, these younger guys who are coming in, how many graduating seniors are going to be at this picnic? What is it again? Dinner? Lunch? Oh, whatever. Whatever you guys are doing. I heard we have about 20 new guys coming in. And they're going to be passing you up. And you're going to be sitting there. And after a while, yeah, this church will not be for you. Because you don't want to be challenged. You don't want to grow. Because what it takes to grow and mature is going to be painful. It's going to take repentance, humility. Thank you, brothers. <laughs> They're just standing there like, how long? How long, oh Lord, must I say? Ah, let's just end it. We should do a part two. Because I have two more questions and I just finished two. We'll do this as a Bible study later, okay? Can, can, I just, can I just ask you two questions and give you the verse and we'll look at it later, okay? Some of you like, talk to your uh, mentor, your disciple, or your Bible study leader, life group leader, and they can give you some of that stuff. I'll send it to them. You'll get my notes. Are you making disciples? That's the Matthew chapter 28, 19 and 20. And number four, are you multiplying disciples? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Four generations. No huddle group. Skip that. Uh, <laughs> making disciples is God's mandate. So we must obey and participate. I'm going to give you some challenges as we close out here. Are you marked as a disciple? Remember that question? Here's the next step for you. Grow in your foundation. That's the first thing. This summer, our target is what again? What is our thing that we're going to be shooting for? Discipleship is about relationship. And so we're going to have a goal. And each of those letters is going to be a topic that we're going to be covering in 13 weeks. So pretty much it's going to take about three weeks each as we cover them. The G stands for our relationship with God. The O is our relationship with others. Some of you have horrible friendships. I'm amazed at some of your friendship. And I go, that's not a friendship. You're just hanging out buddies. You're just drinking buddies. You guys, you guys, you guys are, it's a joke. There's, that, that is not a friendship. I'm not saying you're a joke, but your friendship is a joke. Don't misunderstand me. I don't want to unnecessarily offend you. A joke? I'm not a joke. I'll joke. No, anyway, so. Because when was the last time you told something really hard to that person? When was the last time they hated you because you said something that was truthful, but then they don't want to hear it? 
Some of you guys hate confrontation. You don't bring up anything. So there they are, going, deviating, going in their own direction, just going, falling into the cliff, and you don't care. You just care about yourself because you don't want them to hate you. That's not a friend. That's a poor friendship. If I'm falling off the cliff, I want him to yell, smack me, punch me. Do whatever you need to do. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about relationship with others, friendships, how to develop that throughout the summer. The, the A is what? Accountability. We already talked about it. We're going to go deeper in that. And then lastly, the L is with the lost. We got to keep on reaching out to those who don't know Jesus Christ. So that's what we're going to be focusing in on. So growing your foundation. Second thing is this. Are, are you maturing as a Christ disciple? The simple thing is this. Get a discipler to disciple you. Now, you know what the problem is? We don't have too many people at this level who can disciple. So then they're going to be overwhelmed. So some of you who are a little bit older and you know you've, you've experienced this. Grow up. Because there are a lot of young people, a lot of lost people who are coming to our church that need to be discipled. I don't care what mistakes you made in the past. I don't care what stupid decisions you made in the past. Repent. Receive God's grace. Recommit to the process once again and say, God, get me in the game. Get me in the game. The third thing is this. Are you making disciples? Remember that question? Go and invest in others. That's a simple thing we're going to ask you to just go and invest in. You have a wonderful opportunity this summer to have new life groups, to new people that you haven't met before from different campuses, different focused life groups, and to be able to invest. Stop. Whenever I hear, can we just stay in our life? <laughs> Every time I hear that, I, I hear your heart. I, I know your heart. It was a beautiful life group. Uh, uh, we loved each other in Jesus' name. But if you know people are dying and people have yet to experience community, man, my heart will be burning to say, hey, we've been blessed. Let's go out. Let's reach out to new people. That just shows you your heart. It's all about you, what you like. You're not going to grow. Go and invest in others. And fourth and lastly, are you multiplying disciples? Give others opportunity to serve and grow. Man, I'm debating right now if I should show this last video. It actually made me cry. <laughs> you see, if, if, if it can make a hard-hearted person like me cry, it can make somebody cry too. <sighs> I think a lot of it was because so many of you come from very difficult homes. And I sometimes wonder, God, can you ever change some of these guys? And I realize the only thing we can give you as a church is a love for Jesus and a love for his word, the word of God. And if you could allow Jesus and his love and his sacrifice for you, the cross, this gospel, if you can allow um, just the word of God to go deep within, that you're not just doing it because it's a task or something you have to send over at WhatsApp, but it's something that you love. It's like sweet as honey to your lips. It doesn't matter what you go through in life. God can use that to transform you, to transform others. Let's just play it. I'm going to play it. 
and then we'll just close out. No closing worship. Sorry, guys. I know we always want to respond with closing worship and stuff, but I, I just want to play this because I feel like it's going to give hope to some of you who are not growing as a disciple, and you're not discipling other people. Your little act, that coffee that you have with somebody, the LCG you did this past year, I'm telling you right now that in the God's economy and in the light of eternity, some of these things are going to have huge impact that will transform lives. So let me give you a little precursor to this. Some of you guys know, how many of you know Awana? Have you ever heard of Awana? It's a children's ministry where they try to teach you about his word, to grow in the things of God. And this video is about this Awana program that three people, three people's testimony all intertwined where they grew up in this Awana background. And then you'll fast forward and you'll see them as an adult and how much they've grown and how much they've been transformed. And this is my heart for you. You'll stop being childish. You'll stop being a little kid. Grow up. Start getting discipled. Disciple other people and transform the world. Let's watch this and then we'll just, I'm going to have you afterwards just stand and I'm going to close this in prayer. Let's watch this together. I know change is hard and we cannot do it on our own to see that girl go through what she went through and now she's doing great things the guy who was bullied could have gotten back, but he decided not to. And that son that probably had, I don't know, ADHD or whatever, autism, somehow came to know Christ and brought his dad to Christ. Those are all works of transformation because of the gospel. And the common theme is God's Word. I don't know how any of us can go through life with the things that we have faced and the things we will face apart from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. And some of you are just marked by being a disciple because you go to church. But God has so much more. He wants you to grow this summer and this year. No more excuses. No more blaming people. You're going to take responsibility. You're going to repent of your sins. You're going to stop comparing yourself to other people. You're going to stop making things about yourself. And God's going to help us. Because that's just the kind of God that He is. 
So, Lord, I just pray for just pray for my own heart. That you'll change me first. And then change us as a church. Lord, we're tired of doing church. Just going to church, going to life group. We know there's more to life. Lord, there's a dying world. So many people spending a Christless eternity. I pray that you'll get us out of our comfort zone. Get us out of our spiritual slumber. Wake us up. We just want to confess we cannot do it on our own strength. But I believe, Lord, that you're going to pour out just an outpouring of your spirit in each one of our hearts. And even after we leave, Lord, there's going to be something, a desire that comes that you put in us that we want to grow, that we want to love you. Because when we think about, consider in view of all your mercies, we want to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto you. Transform us from deep within, renewing our minds. And I just pray, Lord, that anything good that comes out of our church, anything good that comes out of our lives, may we always direct everything back to you. Because it's about your grace. It's about your mercy. We don't deserve anything. What we do deserve is hell because of our sins. But, Lord, you, you don't give us what we deserve but you always give us things that we don't deserve. So thank you for that. And I pray that we'll be a champion, championing, Lord God, just the gospel. No more just going to church. Lord, I pray especially for those who grew up in the church. Lord, I pray for these precious brothers and sisters. Lord, you have a plan for them. Even as we saw in these testimonies, you're doing something in their lives. So I pray that they will be awakened so they can see that it's your mighty hand. Oh, Holy Spirit. Lord, you're the only one who can do it. So Lord, we're excited for this summer as we focus on discipleship is about relationship. May we, our relationship with you, with others, and accountability and with the lost. Lord, may we experience something we've never experienced before. Lord, I just pray for your favor upon every single person here. Some, Lord, who are struggling with sins and different issues that they cannot overcome on their own. Lord, help them to open up their hearts to invite other people in. They will receive the healing touch and the power of God. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you will come and do that work. Every single one of us, Lord. I pray against the evil one, whatever thoughts that he puts in our mind, any discouragement, Lord, any spirit of depression, I pray against it now in the name of Jesus. And there will be life that you will awaken the souls of every single one of us to the, come to the table, the banquet table of just your heart, your love for us, and we will feast upon it. Lord, may it overflow. 
blessings that will come down, Lord God. From like Aaron's beard as we're united together. Lord, we want to be united as a spiritual family. We want to be united in our common mission and vision. So Lord, will you do something spectacular this coming summer that no man, no woman, no child, nobody could even fathom or imagine. But Lord, that's the kind of God that you are, that you go beyond our expectations. So come Holy Spirit. You love this church. You love every single person more than anyone else. So we're asking you, Lord, you all uphold your glory, uphold your name. Thank you for our mothers. Some of our mothers who set good examples for us. Thank you, Lord God, even for those that have passed away and we miss them. Another good reminder, Lord, that there are spiritual mothers. Raise up spiritual mothers in our, in our church. Raise up spiritual fathers in our church. So we could pastor and shepherd a whole generation who are lost. So Lord, together, we're committed to this. We want to follow you. We want to obey you. We want to invite people to join us in the lifestyle of the kingdom, imitating Jesus, teaching people to obey, and teaching biblical principles so we can live for the rest of our lives, honoring you and glorifying you. So thank you for all that you're doing. We love you. We worship you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.